I'm sorry, I doubted you. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, folks. Welcome back to the Fandalorian, our fan-driven review series for uh, the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. And that's it. We're covering the season finale. I can't believe it. It it happened so fast. It did. It really happened super fast. Yeah. Um, I, I It seems like two weeks ago when we were like, it's only a few weeks until the show starts. I can't yep. wait to see what they've cooked up for the third season. And man, it and went now, crazy quick. Yeah. Some time dilation like there. Yeah. Wow. I think it's, it's, it's a blink and uh, soon it'll be Ahsoka. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we're only two weeks away from Guardians of the Galaxy. So, yeah. It's already summer is like upon us. Hey, eh? like pretty much like the schedule is already stacked for us. But <laughs> it really, it really, really is. Unfortunately, again this week we are down one beard. Wes is still on vacation, technically, but yeah, uh, I, he'll be I, back. You know, last time I was like, "Oh, he's going on vacation." How, how can you feel bad for a guy who's going on? Now th- today, this week, I'm like, "Why would you? Why would you do that? <laughs> how can you miss the finale?" Exactly. Not not our show. I mean, he can't even watch it. Yeah, he can't he watch it like, until uh, he gets back to North America, Uruguay, or uh, Geneva, or some weird yeah. place. Even. As we go into this, uh, any thoughts on this episode? Oh, man. Um, it was everything I wanted all season to be. Um, and, of course, you can't. You can't have that. Like, uh, it was it was stellar. Um, I don't understand the weird stuff that the Internet is saying. Yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, we complain a lot about the complaining uh, for complaining's sake, um, but I don't. I don't. I mean, it's 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 all the things that they were complaining about wanting and stuff. Mm. Um, I had a minor like, I wouldn't call it a beef, but I have questions for whoever's involved. Certainly mm. not Pablo Hidalgo, but but I have questions for whoever's involved in, in one decision. Uh, Fair enough. Like, like I don't understand it physically, like in terms of physics. So we'll get there eventually. But I mean, in incredible stuff. Uh, it felt, I was talking about that, uh, the Jack Black uh, Lizzo episode, feeling like a Clone Wars episode. But the combat in this, jetpack to jetpack, uh, en masse, like yes. with, the, with the the fixed POV cameras, like fighter jets, like yep. just like a Clone Wars episode. Deadly, deadly stuff. Spectacular though. Yeah, man. Peak Star Wars. Got a comment coming in from uh, Red. Says uh, lots of good stuff and some, huh? Seven out of ten. Fair mm. enough. Um, I, I go back to that comment from uh, John Favreau where he said, you know, there'll be excitement, there'll be some surprises, and an ending that will satisfy you. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know what? He was right. There oh, was lots I mean, of action, time. lots of surprises. And I'm satisfied with that ending because, like, you know, we're getting a season four. Yeah, that's a great place to leave us. The Looney Tunes ending. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we go any further, though, mm. I think it's time for another installment of Ooh. Bad Star Wars Jokes. <laughs> nice. Uh, why do stormtroopers listen to Megan Trainer? Oh my. Hmm. Why do stormtroopers listen to Megan Trainer? 
because they're all about the base, about the base, no rebels. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who that was until you said the line from the song. There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, without any further ado, shall we dive right in here? Oh, man. Let's do it. Jetpacks right. on. Jetpacks on, ready to go. There we go. So uh, this episode is titled Chapter 24, The Return. It originally mm -hmm. aired Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. And it has a listed runtime of 42 minutes, but actually comes in at 33 minutes and 27 seconds without titles and credits. Uh, we got one more comment coming in here from Lauren. So that circle cutaway means it's the end of the first chapter. Yeah, it's a good bet. Um a New Hope ended with a circle cut. True. Uh, Phantom Menace ended with a circle cut. And Force Awakens ended with a circle cut. There you go. Yeah. Nice. This one uh, was directed by Rick Famuyiwa, and it was written by John Favreau. And the synopsis reads, The Mandalorian and his allies confront their enemies. Which is truthful. <laughs> That's the, yeah, it's straight up. <laughs> Yeah, no yes. lies, no misdirect, just yes. truth. Um, <laughs> Battle screener. The uh, the credit art though was awesome in this one too. Oh man, there was some stuff in it that we didn't see in the show. True. For like, instance, uh, there's a Mandalorian flying a Tie Fighter there. Yeah. And there's one nice scene where Tie Pilots too. Yeah, and there was one. I don't. I, I I don't see it on screen, but it might be there, and I'm just not close enough, or it's too small for me. But Moff Gideon was present with a another black cloaked figure mm. in one of the in one of the uh, and it might have been just their concept for the Praetorian Guard. It may be possible. Maybe I must have missed that one, but yeah. Anyway, we uh, we open hot on the heels of the last episode, and uh, Bo is leading the Mandalorians through the tunnels away from the Imperial base. And she radios to Axe, who's still in range, and relays that Moff Gideon is alive, and he's he's launched ships to engage the fleet. She gives the order to you know evacuate and use the capital ship as a decoy. And we'd speculated last episode if a Mandalorian could even make it that high on a jetpack. Right. Yes, right. he can. <clears throat> because uh, a few episodes ago, they were flying a canyon and running out of fuel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, I know it's not quite space space like it's upper atmosphere sure still, that's a hell of a trip i up. mean well and not not only the length but again the physics yeah you have flying. to generate enough thrust to break the uh, the uh the force of gravity to get that high yeah and to it's, go through that storm and all that uh disturbance yeah it's it's real cool uh i'm all <laughs> i'm all turned around on axe woes he's a badass <laughs> yeah but Axe receives the orders just in time as he cuts out of range and uh, we cut back down to the tunnels and we find jetpack troopers hot on the heels of our Mandalorians. And with a well-placed explosive charge, Bo rockets ahead and detonates it, eliminating the troopers that were in pursuit and buying them some precious time and putting distance just between them. From the explosion, we crossfade and uh, we find a bound and unconscious Din Djarin being dragged down a hallway. Slowly, he begins to stir, though, and realizing his circumstances, he takes action driving both of his captors into the wall and then using a takedown to put one trooper on the floor. He reaches for his boot and pulls out a knife using it on the second trooper. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, that first trooper is recovered and opens fire. 
but uh, he proceeds to use his flamethrower on Mando. So the first time this episode, Mando gets a little bit torchy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But he rushes right in. He's got that, and, uh, he's got that cloak made of uh, unstable molecules. It never sets on fire. <laughs> but he rushes into the flames and uh, ends up using the flames on Jetpack Trooper 2. Now with both troopers disoriented, he grabs Trooper 2 and snaps his neck. But yeah, Trooper 1's recovered. Cool. And uh, he's used his cable in an attempt to choke Mando out. But the trooper uh, plus his blaster. Uh, I must have messed up here, but um, he takes the blaster off the trooper and ends it. And. Uh, oh, that's what it is. The trooper pulls his blaster to end it. And we get an all too familiar. No, no. As we hear that robotic hand come into the frame and it crushes the weapon. So good. Yeah. So good. Grogu makes so much advancements. This this episode uh so did you did you catch that he the the fighting style he's using is the same that cara dune was using was it it's and so it's it that's Terascasi from the old the old video game the video game Terascasi, the the star wars fighting game if you guys yeah. are familiar and there's only two other characters in star wars we've ever seen do that it's fennec shan and kira in the that scene uh uh in rogue one where she uh kills her boss there dryden boss that's oh, a really cool, cool yeah yeah, yeah. Ro or what did I say? <laughs> Rogue One, yeah. Close, yeah. close uh, timeline wise, but <laughs> solo. It's in solo. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that was really dope for me, and it yeah. also I uh, it gave this gave me um a Daredevil vibe, like you know the close quarters combat. Yeah. Uh, really close cuts, tight tight scene. Uh, uh more violent than we've seen <laughs> seen Mando quite a little a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me of Daredevil or a Punisher fight scene. It was nice. That like that kind of level of um, I I mean I'm not a monger. Don't get me wrong, but that level of violence makes me feel good about a, a Disney Plus Daredevil uh, yes. show because I was I I I, mean, I really loved the sort of visceral nature of what was going on there. This well, is a great fight scene. Same thing for like a Deadpool three, right? Right, because you're right, right in that alleyway. Grogu continues to restrain the trooper, giving Mando a chance to end the fight, knocking the trooper out. And Grogu kneels the IG-12 suit beside him and proceeds to spray him with back to spray. And Mando, he insists he's choking, but he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And Grogu helps him to his feet and cuts the last ties that bind him. And Mando thanks Grogu for the help and tells him, you need to be brave. We can't run. If Moff Gideon is allowed to escape, things will never end. And Mando asks Grogu if he's with him. And Grogu returns an approving nod. Yeah. And we finally cut to our title card. Um, and that could mean one of a couple things, I think, here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we'll get into that at the end. But over the course of this episode, it definitely feels like Mando is in a video game, sort of. Mm -hmm. Because he goes yeah. from being bound, weaponless, and just kind of ranks his way back up as he yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I also noticed that Grogu is... is doing that fake like that near speaking a lot more like yes. in the scene uh din says you uh you did good kid and he, he says something like okay like it's the, and it's, it's not it's not sound, it's start yeah. yeah right they're starting to and uh you know it's not as uh sort of deliberate as that uh this is, this the, is way. the way that we were trying to, but there's i think he says thanks at one point too like so, I think I, so it's well. really yeah yeah it's really coming it's kind of cool we cut back to the tunnels and uh, Bo leads the Mandalorians onward, 
but they come to a dead end. And uh, as they ponder their options, Dinjar and radio is telling her he's alive and he's got the kid. He asks if they're safe, but she says they're not. And one of the survivors suggests that they can get to the surface. He knows where they can hide for a moment. Mando tells Bo that he's going after Gideon and they tell each other to be safe. And back in the tunnels, the Mandalorians jet up through the holes of the ceiling. While Mando, he takes a jetpack off one of the fallen troopers. Uh, in the hidden Imperial base, TIE interceptors start dropping from the ceiling and take flight towards the Mandalorian fleet of Blove, rocketing out of that hidden crevice. And uh, just to see the way they launch, like, oh man, from a ground perspective, was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're dropping out of a, a starship or anything into space. They're just at first. I thought they can't, I thought they were like pivoting like on gravity wings, and then I realized that they were like dropping and turning like a ninety immediately. Yeah, yeah. But elsewhere, we find uh, Moff Gideon in his control room, and he studies a holographic layout of the base, and it's a pretty immense base. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. A trooper enters and relays that uh, the interceptors and bombers have been dispatched. And there is some Orbesh on the screen, but it's pretty standard stuff for a map, like server room, east wing, and communication. Nice. But there's also a red and green dot representing Mando and Grogu's position. That was weird. Like, I, I would, that I had a little tiny question about is like, is he Me tracking well. there? What's he tracking there exactly? Uh, does he have devices in them? Is he tracking there's, their chain code? Is, is he, the, you know, like, censored security system? Right. Just, right. There's, there's like, somebody here. Those mouse droids, maybe a little telemetry there. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I, and, I, and then I was like, one's red, one's green. Uh, yeah. I, I guess Gro- Grogu's green. <laughs> Maybe Mando represents a bigger threat. Crazy. Yeah, the little thing like that made me go, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, and again, like, if that is knowing where they are, do all the jetpack troopers in troopers inside the base not have access to this? Right, right. Like, oh, look, they're over there. Let's go there. Yeah, and, and this really feels like... um Jedi Fallen Order gaming map. Mm. Lauren says, how does uh, it know he's green? <laughs> That's true. If, it, if it's a computer, I guess. It's pre-programmed. Program that in. Maybe. But the trooper, he asks if they should engage. But Gideon puts his helmet on and booms, no, I'll take care of him myself. Very Vader there. Very eh? much Vader. Like, yeah. just in the spin and exit. Yeah. And then those servos sounding off with each movement. In the corridors, troopers patrol, and Mando and Grogu peer around a corner, avoiding detection. And once the coast is clear, Mando radios for R5, tells him he needs his help. And then he needs him to scomp in in the base and find the location of Moff Gideon's command center. R5 chirps back, but Mando tells him, I don't speak binary. And (laughs) so he's just basically counting on him to do it. Sweeping to above, we find R5 uh, coming out from behind some rocks. And he engages his leg jets floating downward into the hidden Imperial base. And, uh, oh, we got one from right here. First time seeing that jet packs are interchangeable too. Always figured that the packs would be hard coded to the armor, but I guess not. No, I mean, in Rebels, Ezra Bridger wears one, Kanan wears one. Hmm. They like, they take out a few troops and just grab their backpacks and throw them over. Like, you know, it looks like when Din Djarin puts his on, like the, the for the first time, yeah. it uh, it like connects to the armor, and that might be true of like your individual backpack. But I mean, yeah, it's it's probably just a hole in your back where the peg goes. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like a jetpack is a jetpack. And yeah, 
you know, they are based off Mandalorian tech, right? So. Sure. And if you wanted to interface with it on a heavier level where you're controlling it with whatever your heads up display and your helmet say, or, yeah. you know, uh, uh, clearly uh, in season two, he's got some control with his arm bracer. Yeah, uh, for because the he, remote shoot. He, or the that remote Jala kind of creature, he, he sends tries it to run off of it. it. That's yeah. right. So it's got a, like a return home on it. Yeah. But. While we're on that subject, that that jet, that particular jetpack is gone, and both the weapons off the bracers are gone. Yeah, like they're confiscated. Never, you know. So he's going to have to get some uh, uh, new sculpts, some new yeah. some new weaponry. Like his uh, his birds are gone. His whistling birds are gone. Yeah. But uh, where were we here? Uh, you and I had talked about this uh, offline about R five and his jet. Uh, yeah, jet yeah, 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 yeah wondering if maybe this was like a uh, a common thing with all the astromax because we've seen r2 do it we've seen chopper do it and yeah maybe, uh, maybe it is standard issue i think bt what's his name bt1 uh dr afra's droid uh, mm. her astromech in the comic does it um yeah um chop does it a little differently like he's his is uh he's got a thruster where his middle leg is He's yeah. also got a wheel there, not a middle leg. Hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, neat yeah. to see, though. <laughs> we get uh, a neat shot showing just a small portion of this multi-level facility, and uh, it is huge. And, and it uh, looks perfectly like it's not like they've taken over a Mandalorian facility. It's so no. imperial. Like, yeah. the, you know, the swamp interface, the lighting panel. The, the color scheme. Everything. Like, shiny black. Yeah, they move right in. Yep. Upon sending down on a platform, R5, he rolls over to the edge and peers, causing some undue panic at the sheer depth of the base below. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of funny, you know, the anxiety droid would want to go look like that, but... Yeah, yeah. It's like a wrecker looking down when he's... <laughs> yeah. Height. He moves to roll to the scomp link, but stops short of being discovered by a mouse droid and peeking around the corner once the coast is clear. He rolls over to the terminal and scomps in. Elsewhere, Mando and Grogu stay on the move and out of sight, which again like we said makes a little sense with anybody having access to that schematic right right but mando radios r5 who continues to work and then with a bleep loop he transmits and a hologram appears on mando's gauntlet with their destination marked <laughs> and uh din points it out to grogu and advises him stay close and then they move off awesome lauren says chopper would have killed the rat droids as he left <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he... He is a little homicidal maniac, that guy. Yeah. But we catch up with Axe Woves as he emerges from the clouds and uh, clear the interference. He immediately radios the ship about the ambush and how the fighters are on their way to destroy the fleet. He tells them, load everybody into the gauntlets and send down reinforcements and leave the command ship as a decoy. But by this time, Axe is already arriving at the bridge and he tells Bo that, you know, Bo needs your help. So they begin the evacuation of the ship and reinforcements fly out the bay door and head for the gauntlets below. Um, the one Mandalorian that was riding in the captain's chair, though, yeah. he pauses and he gives Axe like just a half second of like, are you sure? But yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, for a second is like, oh, are we still on that? Do we trust him yet? Or the, yeah, that I did. I did have that thought. I thought, oh, um he thinks this is strange. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't realize like he was, he thought what, what was coming next was strange. Which yeah. Scuttle the sucker. Wicked. Yeah. yeah. 
But once loaded, the bay doors close on the uh, gauntlets and the Mandalorians all strap in. And the fleet of gauntlets duck just into the clouds moments before the TIE interceptors and bombers start to emerge out and open fire. That was, that's wicked. Like they went like through yeah. one another without, like that's fantastic. Yeah. That's and it just, great. it reinforces how bad the interference in that layer is, right? Absolutely. So on the bridge, Axe moves to engage the deck guns into autopilot and the ship starts to shake under Imperial fire. He dons his helmet and takes the command chair and uh, the advancing Im the Imperial forces quickly eliminate one of the cannons, but they return fire and some interceptors crash into the deck of the command ship. And then we cut back down to below and uh, we find Mando and Grogu have made their way to that shielded chamber and in radios R5 to deactivate the shields one at a time as he is currently weaponless and this could get messy. They spent so, all the money on this episode. <laughs> yes, they did. It's it's beautiful visually. It's so nice. Yeah. Even that rapid fire. I mean, you know, pausing an image and trying to capture a still of it happening is one thing, but it was very clear. Like compared to like say like a early Michael Bay Transformer where it was just a blurry mess. Yeah. It was an enjoyable movie, but really couldn't focus on what was happening. No. Too much was going on at once. This seemed really clear to me. You could see, you know, individual movements in all the troops that were going on. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. But like we had speculated that these uh, might just be standing suits of armor at one point. Right. When we saw it the first time, but yeah, no, it's actually all like <laughs> they're just on guard. Their job is to stay there. Right. Between yeah. shields. Guard this square meter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two per square meter. And I mean, it, it, it sets up the, uh, that more of that video game vibe you're talking about. Absolutely. And it's a lovely, uh, sort of callback to Phantom Menace too. Yes. So R5, he deactivates the first shield and Mando takes the first troopers by surprise and he takes a knife off one of them and begins to slash at the other, eventually catching him under the armor. Yeah. And, uh, trooper two, he's recovered at this time and starts firing at Mando, but, uh, he swings the first trooper into a human shield position and Mando then just launches the knife into the throat of the trooper oh, number deadly. two. That's the it most is. wild thing I've seen him do for sure. And then that trooper falls down the shaft out of sight and you can see Mando lunge for the gun, but he's too late. Yeah. And yeah. it goes with him. That was a nice little nod too. Yeah. Red Swenson says, love the idea of Beskar riot shields. I don't know that we confirmed that they're Beskar, but they might be. It's, I mean, it's highly possible. It's Beskar yeah. alloy, so we know yeah, it's slightly so. inferior. I, but, we're, we're coming up to the part where I like, not, yeah. not very soon, but we're coming soon to the part where I'm like, I don't get it. Okay. But the troopers at the end of the hall, they repeatedly try to deactivate all the shields with no success. And with the first two troopers eliminated, Mando grabs a knife and tells R5, lower that second shield. Wicked. And uh, yeah, the next troopers, they're armed with electro batons and shields. And they kind of bounce Mando between them before a, a well-placed knee throws one of them off balance and stealing one of their batons. He uses it on the first troop, kicks the second troop and sends that guy down the shaft as well. Mm. Now armed with a baton and a shield, R5 <laughs> opens the third shield and they're already opening fire on Mando as he charges at them. And he ends up shocking them right in the leg, bringing them down to their knees before uh, driving the shield into the left trooper. He then drives the electric baton into the head of the fallen trooper and grabs his blaster and then starts to fire on the other trooper. But uh, we cut back over to R5 
and a mouse droid has wheeled up and discovered his position. <laughs> and Mando, this part kind of, I don't know, he's still battling the guy. So I don't know why he would be so like desperate to open the next shield. Yeah. But he's like, R5, open the shield. And he, he doesn't respond. Maybe he could feel the 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 rallying. Like <laughs> you, you get on a you get on a roll. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to stop. Get... Yeah, don't slow him down or nothing. Yeah. But R5 doesn't respond and uh, he disconnects his scomp link and zaps the little mouse droid, sending it scurrying away. And uh, with that, he he relinks in and opens that shield. But by now, all the two remaining guards can see is smoke from all the blaster fire. Got one from Red here. Thankfully, the Empire doesn't believe in safety railings. <laughs> OSHA would have a field day. Railings save lives. But Mando uh, comes rushing in out of the smoke and he slides on his knees, tackling the second last guard and stealing his blaster and firing on the last trooper. He turns around now with all the troopers eliminated and he radios to R5 that he did well. And just then five mouse droids come wheeling up surrounding R5 and they start ramming into him. Yeah. But he just cop kind lights of, on them too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like little cop lights on them. Yeah. But uh, he just kind of does nothing and launches his rockets and flies away. Yeah. And some of the mouse droids follow him and they end up rolling off the edge. So <laughs> the only the, thing uh, that could have made that, that scene better. And I understand why it couldn't be that way. Cause they had to cut back and forth between R five, but would be a, a single shot uh, tracking camera fight through that, through that little section there. Yeah. That would have made that so dope. Yeah. But Grogu peeks around from down the hallway and Din gives him the all clear. And they open the doors and head into the next room. Uh, inside the Same next room, point. though. Yeah, basically. Oh, man. Inside the next room, uh, we find rows of uh, tanks full of murky water and a partially visible figure. And uh, Mando, he walks the length of the room to the control panel. But Grogu edges closer and closer to the figure inside. And Mando calls out, those aren't Moff Gideon. Those are his clones. And Crazy. just then, one of the eyes—the eyes on one of the clones in front of Grogu—opens up, startling our little green friend. Oddly enough, though, the descriptive audio here kind of gives mm. it away before they get to it. And, uh, but like you had mentioned last episode, Hank <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Wow. Why wouldn't I, he clone himself? And here it is why, confirmed. Why wouldn't any of these guys clone themselves? Why are they obsessed about bringing somebody more powerful than them back? It, it yeah. didn't make sense to me. I mean, even it doesn't make sense to me that Hux is that any of them would be like scrambling to get the, the emperor back. Yeah. Um, this makes way more sense. And now, and now we know, I mean, this scene opens up so much stuff here. We know that he was, we, we were never using Grogu to try to bring the emperor back. It's what we all no. thought. Like, there was it wasn't even a, a conspiracy or a fan theory. It was just that's what was happening. Yeah. Um, the Snokes that we saw in the Vat in season two weren't weren't a base that was even associated with Moff Gideon. So that makes a lot of sense too. They're already trying to build Snoke, and when we look at the timeline, like Snoke's probably out there somewhere already. Like yeah, he's got his claws in Ben Solo by the time Ben Solo's ten, and we're nine. 9 BBY. So Ben yeah. Solo is like four years old now. So he's only got a couple of years to go before he meets him. Right. So I would imagine there's a Snoke already out there. Like they, they've like that project Necromancer may have advanced at least that far. Yeah. Um, th th this opens up so many uh, 
avenues and ideas here, like uh, how far they are in the process. And this is like one guy, Pershing, like one, yeah. one guy. And now you see what they were protecting. They were, they were even protecting st information from the rest of the remnant empire. Yeah. That this is what he has been doing because yeah. was it uh, last episode? He's like, you know, what are you dabbling in cloning for? And he's like, no, no, that's your obsession, not mine. Right, like completely bull-faced lying, like writing it right off. And yeah. that speech that Pershing is giving in that episode, when he's talking about uh, a singular madman bent on controlling the galaxy, he wasn't talking about Palpatine. Nope. He was talking about Gideon. Yeah, the guy also, who was trying to take it, not already it, had it. This will come up later, but no mustache. Yes, no mustache. Got a comment coming in here from Doug. Uh, it should have required a puzzle to kill the clones like a video game. That would well, be dry. <laughs> I mean, that I guess control it, panel for a while. It probably was like if if it was a video game, you would have to take over our uh, R five and do the 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 door opening puzzle, just yeah. like in uh, Star Wars Lego, the the newest Star Wars Lego. There's a droid interface. You inter you scomp link, and there's like a puzzle you have to solve every time you scomp link. Nice. At the uh, site of the open-eyed uh, Gideon clone, Mando, he speeds up his work at the panel, causing the tanks to overload and explode as IG-12 runs past the bats and the two exit the room. Outside, we catch up with Bo-Katan and the scout party as they jet towards a rocky outcropping, and the survivor Mandalorians lead them into an underground alcove full of lush vegetation and life. <laughs> and they tell Bo that they've taken place or refuge in places like this ever since the Purge. But Bo asks if they found these spots, but the captain says, no, they're farms. After the purge, the dormant species began to sprout. So the survivors have been cultivating these indigenous species of Mandalorian spots like this all over the planet. It's reminded me of Project Genesis from the uh, first or the sorry, the was it the second Star Trek movie? Third Star Trek movie. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Bo goes on that she's only ever seen gardens and domed cities. And she had no idea that the surface of the planet could even sustain plant life. But the survivor captain tells her that all they needed was room to grow. And just then the radios begin to crackle and the armorer's voice comes across announcing that uh, reinforcements have arrived. So Bull puts her helmet on and tells them, let's go take our planet back. And Flight of the Valkyries playing in its apocalypse now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wicked. Yeah. But uh, they jet out of the uh, cave and into the sky, and then the gauntlet fighters end up coming in and falling in behind them. And the gauntlet Mandalorians, they drop out of the ships, including the armorer, who all fall in step with the uh, scout party, and we get a proper war party of Mandalorians flying wow, with proper. purpose. Yeah. And uh, the armorer, she flies next to Bo-Katan. They exchange a look just a moment, and uh, Bo pulls out the Darksaber, igniting it, and then leading the charge. I went and crazy. I stood oh, up. I don't know how much... Visual. I don't know how much more I, I sat down for the uh, rest of the episode. I don't think I... <laughs> I don't think I... I mean, I might have sat down for a second because my legs got sore, but I was right back up. Nice. Uh, I literally stood up when she... And this is the part that I said looks like exactly like a Clone Wars episode. In fact, yeah, um, we were watching some, some Rebels and Clone Wars uh, just for this stuff, and and there's there's uh this scene almost verbatim uh the same sort of movie like she pulls it flying through the air like that leading the charge with it yeah um and they did a, they did a really good job um except that there's a scene where they're when they're they're in the building tracking they, they um 
they flip the uh they use the same scene three times and they flip mm. the middle one and her shoulder pauldron is on the wrong side in the scene oh. <laughs> it totally is huh. but uh back here though uh the united mandalorians swarm inside the imperial base as below uh, jetpack troopers take to the skies to meet them, and when they collide, it is an absolute storm of chaos and blaster fire. And uh, we're treated to Imperial soldiers being taken down left and right by the Darksaber and the Armorer's tools and Mandalorian know-how. Um, it's fast-paced, it's high-octane, and uh, I wrote here, this is the Mandalorian battle that we needed to see. Oh, amazing! the The Costco reuse thing where she slides across the uh, yes landing that's platform. coming up in the next one here. Oh, yeah. is the story, man? That one. That, that oh, that's such a <laughs> slick maneuver. Yeah. But, uh, we cut back to inside the base, and Mando and Grogu enter Moff Gideon's control room, where the schematic is still glowing blue. And uh, as they enter further in, the doors slam shut behind them. Mando tries the controls, but to no avail. And at the other end of the room, the hologram blinks out, and a new set of doors open. Mando ushers Grogu to take cover behind a pillar as we hear the voice of Moff Gideon lamenting about his clones. They were the best parts of him, improved with the one thing he didn't have, the Force. Gideon continues that uh, he was isolating the potential to wield the Force and trying to incorporate it into an unstoppable army, mm -hmm. but Mando smothered them before they could draw their first breath. And then just then Mando, he swings around the corner and fires, but Gideon deflects. He then dons his helmet and uh, just as Din charges, both blasters firing. And then launching himself at Gideon with his jetpack, he pushes them off almost backwards, almost to the edge before he throws, he yeah, regains his footing and throws Mando with a heavy suit assist. Yeah, you hear the servos kick in yeah. as he's sliding. There's a lot of that anime style. Um, I'm beginning to think that the, the floors in this space were very greasy. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a lot of slidey footwork, a lot of knee slides. A yeah. Lot of, yeah. Great stuff, though. Got one from Red here. Uh, Moff Chlorians? Maybe. Maybe. But he's the language is very specific, and it's super important, I think, because of the, the, the weird theory that's been kicking around the internet. Because he says he didn't quite get there yet. Right. I've been trying to isolate the part of the cloning process that could isolate the potential yeah. to use the force. It's like he's looking for some esoteric thing that he hasn't quite got there. Yeah, but he's almost there, but not quite. The other part of that equation that's important to remember is that that clone was awake in that tank. Yeah. Lauren says the floors are freshly waxed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could be. But Gideon advances and throws some devastating punches as we hear those servos again in the suit whir away. And he grabs Mando by the throat, trying to break the hold, though Mando counters. Right off the and uh, the moth overpowers him and throws him to the ground. And he follows up with a punch that cracks the floor as Mando rolls out of the way. Hmm. But just then, the three Praetorian guards emerge from the shadows, and uh, Mando sees them approach. He's quickly surrounded and he uses his Beskar armor to absorb some of the strikes, but he's quickly overwhelmed and Moff Gideon, he just circles like a vulture as these three take him on. Bringing Mando to the floor though, Grogu then emerges from the docking bay, mech arms wide. And uh, first time ever, Grogu scowls at these three yeah, guards yeah, yeah, as he's yeah. hitting his no button. No, no. And of course they turn their attention from Mando and advance on Grogu. 
and didn't watch as helplessly as not they charge at him. Experts. <laughs> not, no, not not okay, now on to the second target. Yeah. We're, we got a lucky Dinjar in here. <laughs> yes, we he do. does. He stumbles like he's very skilled in this, but he does stumble through most of three seasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, barely by the skin of his teeth. He's yeah. he's a way better fighter in this than he than he normally is. Yeah. But uh Mando sees them approach and uh you know he cries out like a gut wrenching no but Gideon knocks him back down with a wrist missile and uh as he gets up again uh Gideon then lassoes from from behind, pulling him backwards as the doors close on the sight of the Praetorian guards starting to attack IG-11. And, like, it's... I, I know we've been saying, like, the, the, the father dynamic and all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 This yeah. just reinforces the crap out of that. Oh, yeah, big time. Like, big diving time. for your kid and couldn't make the save, but... Oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But we sh- then... Uh, cut back out into the hangar bay and we find Costa Reeves shooting Imperials out of the sky as the armorer bashes them with her forging hammer. But uh, soon Costa finds two Imperials on her tail and she takes this evasive action and slides across a platform spinning and launching knee rockets at the incoming troops, blasting them right out of the air. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Red says, uh, any excuse for more knee rockets? Right. (laughs) Don't forget that they're there. But back in the council room, the Praetorian guards cut down the IG mech suit, forcing Grogai or (laughs) forcing Mm -hmm. Grogai. Sorry. If there were two Grogu, it would be Grogai. (laughs) Maybe he's been cloned. We don't know. But uh, forcing Grogu to Jedi leap to the scaffolding above. The guards strike upwards, but Gogu runs, jumps, and flips to avoid their strikes. And uh, back in the docking bay, Mando cuts himself free of the lariat, but Gideon kicks him and ignites his flamethrower, covering Mando in flames. Din rises and tries to trade blows with Gideon, but the suit proves too much. And uh, Gideon then hits Mando, knocking him across the floor. And above, we see more Imperials being dealt with, as well as Bo-Katan running a trooper through with the Darksaber. Oh, and kicks him off the blade, too. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. But she looks down and sees the fight taking place between and uh, between Gideon and Din Djarin, And uh, she rockets down and, like, tackles him at full speed. And then looking to Din Djarin, she tells him, I got this. Go save your kid. Got one more from Red here. I'm sorry, but Grogu's running was a little too Team America for me. He's got little legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know how to make a a Muppet run smoothly. eh. They could have done some CG there, but I'm kind of glad that... Yeah, that that they kind of stuck with the practical. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It works. It certainly didn't rip me out of the, you know... No. uh, Rip me out for sure. No. But Mando, he grabs the two blasters on the floor and rushes off, leaving Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon circling each other. And Gideon, he asks Bo, what'll it be this time? Surrender or fight? At which point, she ignites the Darksaber. And then he ignites an Electrostaff, and the two begin their duel. Inside the conference room, we cut there, and one of the Praetorian guards manages to cut off a section of the scaffolding that Grogu was running on, causing both it and him to fall, pinning our little green friend under a chunk of metal. Mm-hmm. And uh, the three guards they move in for the kill, but Mando manages to shoot 
two of them in the back and uh, the two standing guards move to strike him. But as he engages with the two guards, Grogu force pushes the third one across the room. And uh, not the first time he's going to do that this episode. It's neat. There's a, there's a visual cue or a, sorry, an audio cue for the force that I'm not <laughs> like, I have to go back and see if it happens when he uses the force other times, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not aware of it in any of the other Star Wars properties when mm. Jedi use the Force. It's kind of cool. There certainly are a ton of audio cues in this episode, though. Mm-hmm. Like to do exaggerate the suspense and the action. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. The score is amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We cut back out to the hangar, and uh, Bo is still trading blows with Gideon, and the dark saber is doing minimal damage to his dark trooper suit. And Gideon manages to land a strike with his energy weapon, knocking Bo back. But the battle starts cutting back and forth really quickly. And uh, we get another Mandalorian taking out an Imperial. And then we cut back to Mando, who's been knocked down by the three guards. But when one comes in for a kill strike, he's held at bay by Grogu. This gives Mando the opening he needs to sweep one guard while grabbing a blaster and shooting the second. The third guard knocks the blaster from his hand, but a knife in his other hand proves fatal for the third guard who takes the mm-hmm. blade right under the helmet. Yeah. So multiple under helmet shots. This yeah, uh, that's a nice shot. Yeah. Yeah. Right under the jaw. <laughs> yeah. With two down, Grogu uses the force to steal the weapon of the third guard, and Mando grabs a blaster and finishes him off. And hey, uh, that's it, it, and it, he shoots him in the foot, which drops him to the knee, and then he shoots him in the chest. Yeah. And yeah. at first I was like, huh, wait, what? And then I realized, well, these are these are on loan from the rest of the remnant. These aren't, despite their Mandalorian looking helmets, yeah. these aren't Beskar clad no, troopers. No. Standard issue Praetorian. But uh Mando looks to Grogu and tells him he did good. And this part, Grogu yeah. speaks back and it sounds very much like thanks. Yeah, I yeah, it really does. Yeah. Thanks. I meant to grab a clip, but I didn't get to it. But Patu. Yeah. <laughs> We cut back to above the planet's surface and the light cruiser bursting into flames is now diving towards the ground and Axe is still in the command chair and he radios to Bo and Casca that he's coming in hot and he's going to take out the base. But back in the hangar, Bo continues to battle Gideon and another place hit knocks her back and almost over the edge and she struggles to get up and Gideon tells her, surrender the dark saber and I'll give you a warrior's death. But instead she lashes out with everything she's got and Gideon is barely able to repel her as her attacks. But as she moves in to strike again, he manages to catch her hand with the saber. And using that power-assisted suit, he crushes the hilt of the dark saber in Bo's hand, bringing her and or bringing her to her knees. Okay. Can we can we talk about this for a second? Because yeah, the let's only talk about problem this. I have with the whole episode. Fair I, at first, I was I was in the emotion part of it i was i was i was super invested in the story i was probably already standing and lauren really loved that the fact that that's the end of the dark saber she 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 thought that was excellent get rid of it we don't need it anymore it's caused too much trouble i agree with all those sentiments logically yeah i screamed no (laughs) like i was like you know uh anakin at the end of uh revenge of the sith it was a bad scream no um but then I started thinking about it. Okay, so it does 
it it serves Wes's purpose from like his his beef has been let's get rid of it then if we're gonna play fast and loose with the rules let's eliminate our need for this thing to rule to rule Mandalore and that's exactly what the Mythosaur should become. Yeah, um, it looks like she's able to do it without that. My problem is if we go back to season one, uh, sorry, season early season two. Uh, he he presents the the dark saber. Din presents the dark saber to to the uh, armor, and he says to her, "It's made of a quality of beskar that I've never seen before." Hmm. I don't know how he just Iron Man's it. Even if his all the every single servo and gear and joint and finger and everything is made of beskar too, I don't think. You can crush Beskar like that. It's no. it's the adamantium problem for me. Yeah. Does adamantium like, cut can, adamantium? Right. Can Captain America's shield be cut by Wolverine's claws? And I say, no. I say her hand's probably broken, uh, if not At worse. At the very least. If she doesn't need some serious back to surgery there. But I say that's not possible. Uh, and I know that's I'm being a, a super stickler. I didn't let it rip me out of the episode. There was too much tension. I was I was too invested. But as I watched it a tenth and a fifteenth time, I kept going. I don't think that can happen. I like I, I, I'm not John Favreau. I don't control. Uh, it's not my story. <laughs> um, but I I wouldn't have gone that direction. Um, and it makes me wonder. Like so. If if our other theory later on is correct, then that the hilt is still there. Maybe I don't think it can be vaporized by no, no. Right? We saw the spear go through um, a star destroyer. Yep, and still be unscathed. Um, (laughs) So I don't think for a second Moff Gideon or whoever that was. Sorry, (laughs) spoilers. it's gone. I really don't. If that armor was fully encompassing him in Baskar, then he just dropped off the side. Maybe mm-hmm. um, it it visually it looks like he is eviscerated by the blast. Yeah, but we're reaching new levels of like what what Baskar can do and can't do. Baskar take, yeah. Um, and so we're supposed to have destroyed uh, Dark Saber for the purposes of resetting the Mandalorians back to a time before that even was an issue. Hence the return of the Mandalorians. I think one of the definitions of the title. Yeah. And we still have that crystal that like one of a kind, nobody really knows what's going on inside that saber. Uh, So, I mean, if that Beskar, even though it can be crushed, can't be melted by that fire. There's, there's a a possibility it could be recovered and we could see it again. Yeah. Or we might go into more detail and find out like that part of the hilt is like this pure untouched mm. Beskar and there was a weak point on it. Or maybe it's a quality of Beskar I've never seen before, like really bad quality. <laughs> Could go that or, way too, yeah. Like a samurai sword can, you know, uh, yeah, it, it can, it's brittle sideways, but incredibly strong. Yeah. Uh, edge on. Red Swenson says, uh, I feel like they are discarding the dark saber, remove a target for the Mandos to keep infighting. I think the best car parts were the parts that didn't bend. Right. I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. That looks pretty thoroughly bent. 
I looked at Lauren and I said, do I have to hit my, my, my dark saber with a sledgehammer now? And she's like, I think you do. <laughs> uh, but dropping the hilt, she sees that the saber is uh, sparking on the floor and Gideon, he rips off her helmet and tells her that the dark saber is gone. So that's what he believes. Hmm. Gideon tells her it wasn't pressurized. He might've pulled her head off. <laughs> yeah, really? Eh? But Gideon tells her uh, she's lost and that Mandalorians are weak when they lose their trinkets, which is funny coming from a guy in a Beskar dark trooper Fully suit. trinketed out. <laughs> like, yeah. like heavily trinketed. But Bo insists that Mandalorians are stronger together, just as Din Djarin blasts Gideon in the back of the head, rocking them off. And he continues to unload, knocking Gideon backwards. But Gideon starts returning fire. And uh, then we cut to the incoming command ship on a direct course for the mouth of the base and inside axe, he blows out one of the windows and jetpacks to safety and Mandalorians. They flee from the path of the oncoming ship, which is now more a missile than anything. And as the ship cleaves into the ground, it rocks the levels below, but Din, Bo and Gideon continue to battle with Din now taking a few shots, bringing him to his knees as sparks and debris rain down upon them. Hmm. Bo slides in with her energy shield, deflecting some of Gideon's shots, and another explosion rocks the base, calling out, eh, causing all three of them to lose their footing again. But they're quickly back up, and Bo charges Gideon this time, and Grogu slides across the floor, delivering force <laughs> push to Gideon. Slide. Yeah, and hurls Gideon back. But Gideon moves for his electro staff, and again, Grogu force pushes that right over the edge. Now, upset, Gideon moves to shoot the child, but Din is right there and shoots Gideon's arm first and continues to blast at the moth while placing himself directly in front of Grogu. Bo slides in with her shield, and the two Mandalorians huddle over Grogu as the flames start to envelop the moth completely. And on the surface, flames and explosions shoot out of the mouth of the base, and it is devastating. Like, you would wonder how anything could survive that. And I know right. he's in that Beskar armor, but from the visual, it looks like it's right. just eating him. Yeah, it does. He looks like he's incinerated. Yeah. But then uh, inside the flames, we finally see them give way to a small force bubble and containing the two Mandalorians and Grogu, the little green Jedi continues to hold the flames at bay as they pass harmlessly around our heroes. Eventually, the flames subside and the Mandalorians exchange a glance. And with the threat passed, Grogu gives a breath and plops down while Bo and Din stand up and watch the Imperial base burn as the screen fades to black. Red says, feels very, I have the high ground to me. A little bit. Doug says, Axe cleared his search history in seconds. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> exactly. What was on that ship to begin with? Yeah, very uh, epic and heartfelt moment here. You know, Grogu saving them. and Oh, it's so good. I had to do art about it. Yeah. And then uh, next we open on a shot of the uh, remains of one of the dome cities. I'm not sure which one, but it's probably the capital city. I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Sendari. Yeah. But below in the mines of Mandalore, we find the United Mandalorians gathered. And uh, the ceremony for Ragnar is underway as he repeats the creed. And this time the armorer blesses him with the living waters and they all chant, this is the way. Uh, there's many different clan flags in the crowd. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't make them all out, but Clan Elder is there for certain. Nice. Um, with Ragnar's ceremony concluded, uh, did Jaren strides forward. And as he does so, Bo gives him a nod. And uh, he sets Grogu down on the step, and Mando wades into the pool, telling the armorer that Grogu is his apprentice, no longer a foundling, and he should be added to the song. But the armorer tells Din that uh, since Grogu is too young to speak, he cannot take the creed and must remain a foundling. But Din asks that if his parent gave permission, then couldn't he become a Mandalorian apprentice? And the armorer concedes, yes. But his parents are far away if they are even alive. Mm. And then Mando turns and says, he will adopt him as his own. And the armorer says, this is the way. Din repeats it, and then the armorer turns to the united group and tells them, let it be written in song that Din Djarin is accepting this foundling as his son. Mm-hmm. So, whew, confirmed. There's no, yeah, <laughs> there, there's no uh, wishy-washy. If there was ever a, a, a gray area, it's been completely yeah, it's, removed. Yeah, you know, I I didn't think there was anyway, but this, uh, you know, it's the it's the next official level, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. There's no more searching for his lost people. He's his people. Yeah. The armorer then turns to uh, Grogu and tells him that he is now Din Grogu, Mandalorian apprentice. Mm. Then turning to Din, she informs him that they must leave Mandalore so he can take Grogu on his journeys, just as Din's teacher did for him. And uh, Din Grogu, he looks down to the living water, extending a handout, and the camera pans down through the murky waters until we arrive at a sleeping mythosaur, which opens its eyes. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of force connection going on yeah, there. Yeah, they're just connected for sure. Yeah. We then cut to the Great Forge under the banner of the mythosaur, and the armorer comes out with a ceremonial torch, which she passes to Bo-Katan. Bo then lowers the torch into the forge, lighting the flames, orange at first, and then glowing blue and pure. And all the Mandalorians watch on, and Axe Wolves initiates a chant for uh, for Mandalore, and they just repeat that. Mm-hmm. And we had speculated that uh, about the future of Ragnar, mm-hmm. and we may have our answer here, because he is standing, standing next right to beside. Axe and Casca. That's right, that's right. So maybe he will be taken in by, you know. I mean... I don't know how many characters I personally need to apologize to in this, in this episode. <laughs> I, I, I was like looking for that second spy so hard. I was like, yeah. it's, it's grief Karga. It's, it's actually Grogu's been the spy the whole time. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't make any sense. No. What if it's uh Pelimato or that Jawa, the Jawa with the hairy hands. I was going, I was going ape. Uh, going poop. Anything and I have to stretch, apologize right? to everybody. And I still, you know, a lot of people are like, well, the armor still could be a, a misdirect. It could still be a long con. It's possible. Yeah. But the the soft way that she finally says this is the way when accepting Grogu into the fold. Yeah. She says it so much differently than every other time she said it across three seasons uh, that I, I really think that was the misdirect that that. We're going to lead you, you know, because there's always that's a that's a very um, long form, uh, you know. Even novels do it, 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 especially with many volumes. I'll lead you down this path. I'll lead you down this path. I'll lead you down that path, and you figure out which guy is the, you know, 
the bad yeah. guy based on all these paths I've laid. And the best thing that they could have ever done in retrospect is to lay all those paths out and then go, no, actually, everybody yeah. was at face value the whole time. Yeah. You you horrible, horrible fandom, you <laughs> <laughs> thinking bad things about everybody. Trust your Mandalorians. Uh, right. It turns out it was Moff Gideon's clone the whole time. Yeah. With the ceremonies concluded, uh, we cut to space and we find the N1 coming out of hyperspace on approach to Eldelphi. And we do see that R5 made it out. He's back in his droid socket there. Is he? I he see. Is. I didn't catch that. Nice. Yeah, That's he's, great. he's only there for like a half a second. If you blink, yeah, I was worried it, about him. <laughs> but he I was is worried. present there. Because I saw him get out, but I just, that there was a big fireball. Yeah. He's not made of Beskar. <laughs> no, not yet anyway. But Mando lands outside the base and we see a Y-Wing ship parked next to it. And Mando and Din, they walk in. I guess it's Mando and Din Grogu now walk inside. Mm. And Carson Tava greets them, thanking him for helping them with their job. And Mando replies, you know, we're both after Gideon. I just got there first. And uh, Grogu, he hops up on the bar and starts munching on the snacks. But he quickly takes notice of the trophy shelf, pointing out the IG-11 head. And Din tells him it's not ig12 and relays to carson that it reminds of some reminds him of somebody he knew uh we also see dave filoni at the end of the bar yep and uh, Chang, i think yeah i didn't zero in on how many people are there but it's quite possible like there's a whole host more right yeah but uh the bartender is played by misty rosas so she's back again awesome mando tells carson that uh, he's got a proposition for him and he tells him I'm a bounty hunter by trade and with his new apprentice, he'll have to be jobs he takes. And he cites that the new Republic doesn't have the resources to protect the outer rim, let alone hunt down Imperial remnants and Mando needs work. When uh, Carson asks if he wants to work for the new Republic, he replies on a case by case basis, like an independent contractor. (laughs) But uh, Carson doubts that it would pass through regulations and it would never get approved. But Mando counters. That's why you won't tell them. And Carson asked if he could think about it, but Mando says, you already have. It's a good deal, and you know it. All Mando requires is a small advance, pointing to the scrapped assassin droid head. Carson questions, but he says, I need it for parts. We then shift to Navarro, where a lot of the damage has already been repaired. Yeah. And we hear the voice of Grief Karga telling Mando that the people of Navarro appreciate all he's done for them. And then he presents Mando with the deed to a small cabin outside of town where he could lay low with his new family if he chooses. And then Grief leans in and says, uh, between adventures. And then looking down at Grogu, he says, and you as well, go or Din Grogu. So even Grief has accepted that. Right, yeah. Mando shakes Grief's hand and tells him that uh, he's got a gift for him. And we cut a sh- to a shot of the three Enzelans. And a robotic foot walks in front of them, and it's a rebuilt IG-11 who greets the people, telling them he is IG-11, the new Sheriff of Navarro, here to serve and protect. The crowd gathers around and applauds. (laughs) Yeah. They applaud him, and uh, IG-11 is now sporting a fresh paint job with red stripes. Mando looks on for a moment before we shift again to that small homestead outside of town. The N1 now parked beside it. Mando takes a seat on the porch and watches Grogu levitate a frog nearby. The camera then Iris is out. And uh, it pauses briefly on our heroes before closing completely. And like you said, the Looney Tunes ending. 
And Doug says, uh, save point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. But and uh, so yeah. here's, I was so super wrong about something. I said uh, a couple uh, episodes ago, I, I, I miss the lone wolf and cub dynamic. And, and I, I think I said, we are so many parsecs past that. We'll never get back to that. And so they've, they've managed to do that. Yeah. So um, they managed it, like, to reset and... Mandalorian culture. And so when we got that quote from Dave that we were talking about in the, uh, in the, on random fandom on Tuesday. Yep. Uh, it's going to let, you're going to be cheering. And then after in the dark hours of the evening, you're going to be sitting there thinking about the greater connotations for the galaxy. And so there is more going on out there, a resurgent Mandalore. So we know there are no Mandalorians in the sequel trilogy at all. There's no Mandalorian ships present at the battle of Exegol. Hmm. Um, and I was like, so is there another purge? Is something yet to come in yeah. the next 25 years? It's going to be horrible again. And I, that would be very indicative of Mandalorian culture. But Lauren said, no, they're like, a they, they don't have a fleet. They don't have ships. They don't have anything. They're just on Mandalore rebuilding. They're too busy yeah. with their own well-being and re resurgence to get involved in the greater giant galaxy crazy and that makes a lot of sense actually yeah. 25 years is not a long time to build back the entire the Mandalorian civilization to the point where you could like join an armada of ships against the yeah. possible odds again yeah. red says uh, there are no more guns in the valley great western ending exactly exactly so uh, you had picked up on something in Rebels, though. Oh, uh, about yes. the long game, and uh, <laughs> yeah, having not seen it myself yet, but uh, holy crap! Uh, yes, so a little hieroglyph in the background. I, I do stupid things with Rebels. I'm we're watching it probably ninety times through now. Um, it's I, I when I don't know what else to watch, I'll just put on Rebels in a random episode and let it play through to the the heartbreaking end of the the series. Now, I. Before I break that down for a second, I got to say that Dave Filoni did an interview at Celebration and they, they held it back because they didn't want it to trump what was going on with The Mandalorian. But it got released in the last few days. It's on social media and stuff. And he's talking about Ahsoka. And he he's, he's basically saying... Um, the, the, the interviewer says, do I need to watch Rebels to appreciate Ahsoka? And he says, no, absolutely not. You can watch Ahsoka all on your own. And then he, he thinks for a second, he goes, mm, you should probably watch the episode Jedi Knight. Uh, because that, and that's, if you, if you haven't seen it, Andy, yet, but that's the episode yeah. where something horrible happens to Kanan Jarrus. The big sacrifice, the beautiful moment. Uh, one of the most beautiful moments in all of Star Wars, actually. Um, and then he says, well, maybe you should watch all of the fourth season to really understand why that sacrifice is so important. And then maybe you should watch season three because that informs what's happening. And then by the end of it, he's like, yeah, just yeah, watch you Rebels. should watch Rebels <laughs> before. If you can get over the animation, <laughs> please watch Rebels before you watch Ahsoka. And and here's why, <laughs> because embedded is is the his future wish for everything that like you don't know when you do something this level. Yeah, you don't know that that's ever going to come to fruition. No, that's the background of a painted rock in the background of a scene that's on the side of the main sort of thing that's painted on the rock because it's a big deal. And so 
I'm not crazy, guys. I don't know if you guys can see that out there in the world. If you're listening to the audio podcast, I'm super sorry. But that looks like Grogu protecting and a two uh, uh, protecting two people in a in a kind of a dome almost. Yeah, like there's and and a and a an adversary in front of him with like spikes on his helmet. Yeah. Uh, and if that doesn't mirror what just happened, don't. <laughs> <laughs> So that's 2019, 18, I want to say. Hmm. Fourth season of Rebels. And I think it might have even been 2017. It was the first thing. They had this in the pocket, ready to go uh, when when the, the deal was made. So uh, that the deal being Lucasfilm uh, yeah. being sold to Disney. And so most people don't or underestimate how much George Lucas had to do with this, with this show mm-hmm. uh, integral in the, in the, in the sort of the world building this, this, this show does so much for the force compared to yeah. the, like the smattering, the little, the little tastes we get in the original trilogy that all had us wanting more. This thing expands the force in, in, in the craziest ways. And I, I couldn't believe when I saw this, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't think I am. I don't think you are either. But they had the, the that the idea for the end of or or a part of that story. I wouldn't say it's necessarily the end, but some integral part of the future of all of the Star Wars galaxy revolves around the character Grogu. And uh, it's not lost on me that it's right tucked right beside behind the the Mandalorian character from Rebel Sabine Wren. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy to me that's that's seven or eight years ago when when that uh maybe longer when it was created but it was seven or eight years ago that it aired yeah and for it to come back around like that i like that's a that's a standing friggin ovation craziness yeah long game for sure but then uh, we have the other rumor floating around this week. About <laughs> this was a joke. Office. I thought I was telling a joke. <laughs> and then I started <laughs> seeing it maybe it's everywhere. Yeah. So uh, Moff Gideon in the promotional art for season three is sporting his normal little mustache. Sure is. But when we get to the final episode, he's not sporting that. And neither are right. his clones. So was it the real Moff Gideon that just got incinerated? So, <laughs> I mean, I got a lot. Of, there's some weird questions I have here. Uh, like, so you can't clone facial hair because um, they can clone the heads of hair yeah. and eyebrows and eyelashes and probably nose hairs if we zoom in. Yeah. But we can't clone facial hair. I don't, I'm not sure uh, why that would be. Um, but I also know they never do anything on accident. Like no. everything is purpose yeah uh full and um and last episode when he said you know i added the best part a me right would literally mean he added a him so this is not the actual moff gideon this is just one of his components that's been inserted i fully believe that actually i I mean and not based on mustache at all mustache might be the little the giveaway the way they thought they were being subtle and the way that the internet uh you know let alone us uh, just regular people are going crazy with this mustache thing, but it might, it might, it might be a big deal. Yeah. Um, I think the bigger deal that points to that theory being true is the fact that this clone is awake 
in the tank. These aren't like clones that aren't, you know, like they're not ready to just go. stand by them all sleeping and if they're destroyed, so what? The idea that this thing opens up when it's feels the presence of Grogu is is a big deal, I think. Yeah. And even though the ones in the tank are destroyed, maybe the one in the suit is destroyed, but I don't for a second think that that was probably the real Moff no. Gideon. I, I, I think uh, I think it might have been a clone. And have we been dealing with a clone maybe the whole season? Maybe. That's possible too. Um, yeah, I mean, and it, I mean, nailed it. It makes so much sense that a, a megalomaniac would clone you know, himself. Right, because you never get that. Even in comics, the, the low-level villains always sort of just aspire to low-level things. Yeah. You don't ever get like random villains wanting to be Joker level or or Magneto level villains. They always sort of aspire to their own yeah. third or second tier. And it, it, it just it doesn't make like even I, I'm like I'm nobody, but I I aspire to be the best Hank I can be every day. You know what I mean? Yep. I wouldn't I wouldn't be cloning someone else if I had the technology. I'd be building Hanks. I don't I don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing you run into, right? Like if you're cloning somebody as ambitious as a Gideon, right? Is he cloning out that ambition? Say when he says, "I'm right. adding the best parts." So then you get into all these other thoughts that come up naturally from this line of of thinking, and that's inhibitor chips. Um, we 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 tinkered with with uh, clones of Django Fett to make them more docile in terms of yeah. being more responsive to uh, uh, refl- reflexively. Uh, uh, responsive to authority things of that nature so of course you would have to remove those parts of your personality that would want to make you the alpha alpha clone if you will yeah like, you know, it could be a problem like clone fighting yeah because uh, like that's one of the problems wes had, wes had said like well then you would have them all vying for position but we we do have a precedent in inhibitor chips we do have i mean i think the fact that we could get this far along the cloning line with one guy's tech means yep. that they really really by the time we we've, we've jumped forward from the band the bad batch quite a few years and they've really sort yeah. of doubled down i think what was going on at uh, mount tantis certainly informs what's happened here yeah and uh, omega's presence there means that they did crack and at least released us some of the secrets to the empire he- heavy and 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 pursing specifically working in the field of, of clone splicing, trying to make one clone out of two, two yeah. sort of beings. Yeah. Taking the best of both worlds. And- super cool ending, super cool, uh, uh, resolution to every, all the dangling participles, if you will. Yep. Um, if we never uh, got any more, this would be a satisfying, very satisfying. Good. Yeah. I would. Yeah. This leaves me longing for more in the best way. Yeah. Um, this like, I can sit there and I could write 300 fan fiction stories about Din, Din Grogu and Din uh, Jaren uh, hunting down Imperial remnants. And yeah. I mean, and there's that too, because that, so what we've done there is we've, we've taken the stories that have been written for that uh, uh, Rangers of the New Republic show. We've replaced Cara Dune with, with Din Jaren and we've made it yeah. about, bounties rather than like instead of being a lawman now he's like an off the side lawman yeah. he's not even officially working for for them he's going you know that's super cool that they could they could uh, spin it like that right so you could have 10 yeah. seasons of just that yeah episode of the week 
he's free to and walk in and out of whichever right. storyline you need him to. If you never promised me this larger, like I was all in first season, and then I saw the dark saber in the finale, and I went, "Wow, this is about something else." But I was all in before that adventure of the week, just yeah. watching him collect bounties. He's got a carbon free freezing chamber in his ship. Well, this is wicked. And when the, you know, so I, I could return to that low stakes bounty of the week sort of thing. But what yeah. this actually does is it puts him on a, a trajectory towards Thrawn towards all the members of that shadow council. Yeah. And I think that's why they said that season four, which has already been written. So all the people that are like, it's over. It's not, this is the end of it. John Favreau said in February, season four was already written. And yeah. this week they've confirmed that they begin filming it in October of 2024. So that's a thing already. We know that's positive. And then to quash all the crazy rumors about uh, uh, Pedro Pascal being having fighting with the crew or fighting with the writers and all that stuff, he's come out to squash all that and said he could play Din Djarin for the rest of his life. Nice. So I I don't think... I, I've also heard that, they, that we should be expecting this sort of Mandoverse Dave Filoni directed feature film in theaters, probably late 2025 or early 2026. Yeah. So, woohoo! A reason so to live. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a few more shows to get through before we get there, though. We've got a oh my goodness. on the horizon. And then uh, what's the uh, next one? I think The Alkalite. The, the Alkalite is coming up. Skeleton Crew is not far down the way. Yep. Uh, we, we have. Um, Tales of the Jedi season two has been confirmed. Yeah, they're and then uh Visions Volume Two drops Visions on uh, volume two May the drops real soon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait. Lots coming down the pipe. And uh, uh, a yeah. summer full of Marvel movies, too. So yes. we'll be all over the place this year. This mm-hmm. uh, this summer's gonna be busy. I think so. But that's all I got for this one. I am Hell yeah. uh, super happy with the way it turned out. Best season I, ever. I couldn't ask for any more <laughs> in the season finale. Oh man, it, if there was any beefs I had, I can't remember them based on the finale. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This the whole the whole fight could have been taking place on Lizzo's tummy, and I would have been super <laughs> satisfied still. <laughs> nice. But anyway, um, that's all I got. Yeah, man. This is the way. This is the way crazy so uh from uh, andy and hank thanks for tuning in come back and see us on random tuesday so we don't know what that one's about yet but it'll be random nope. yeah and, and uh, uh we don't if we don't know what we're doing for next sunday but once wes gets uh back from uh maybe New Zealand west or uh, uh scotland or wherever it is he went nobody knows for sure <laughs> we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll figure something out uh mm-hmm. i mean Having said nothing, Wes may very well want to do a season in review, and it, it might not possible. be a bad idea. Because this season had a lot to review. <laughs> a lot to review. So much yeah. to take in. Yeah. Check out our Patreon. Check out our uh, our, our other platforms if you don't. We, we, uh, we love it that you're on Facebook with us, but we'd really like it if you check us out on YouTube. We're trying to drive all our traffic over there. So yep. uh, find us over there. Uh, and if you're looking uh, for some new gear podcast, to support, check out the merch store merch store i'm gonna try and get back to adding more designs there soon wicked there's over 70 guys we proving that's the that's the biggest proof that we're not just a star wars show our merch shop is 
nerd heaven. Yes. But from us here at the channel, thank you for joining us. And uh, we will see you again. It's been a great season. This is the way. This is the way. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.